I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. Doing it on on Instagram tonight too for the first time because now in, uh, Streamyard is integrated integrated that so we'll see how it works out because I don't know yeah, we'll see how well it works but now there's a delay on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, I think that when you guys used to do the lives when you first started, it delayed a lot on Instagram. Well, I'm wondering if I close Instagram, is it still up? I don't know. I just got a notification saying, like, hey, you can do Instagram now. But I'm not keeping that up and hearing the delay, so I guess not. But either way, it's Monday. Snakes and Stogies 189. Uh, we are here. Obviously, Phil is not here. Phil ended up having to get involved with some work-related stuff last minute. So he unfortunately had to take the night off. Uh, but Mr. Michael Gillen, our fellow resident Canadian, has uh, filled in. Uh, this episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. You need a rack, you need a cage, you prefer racks, you prefer cages, whatever it might be, Blackbox has it. Check them out. Use code THN at checkout. Save yourself 10% off your order. If you're in the general southeast area, there's a pickup option to make it a weekend trip. Go pick up your stuff. Save yourself a bunch of money on shipping and freight and stuff and just go grab it yourself. Uh, full Vs Apparel. Also use the code THN to check out. Get 15% off your order. That is just for THN listeners and viewers like you. Uh, Puget Sound Pythons, good people in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, give them a follow. Big season coming up. Stay in the loop with what they've got going on and what's available via Morph Market, Facebook, and Instagram. And then the best coffee money could buy. Snakes and Stogies blend of cold-blooded caffeine. I got me two bags coming tomorrow to take with me on vacation next week. And it's going to be good. So you can see the, the craftsmanship. And that Chloracus label. Really good blend. Mexican, Rwandan. Really interesting. Something different. It's good. So please go check that out. Uh, link down below or coldbloodedcaffeine.com. Use the code SNAKES and, or S and S, but it's S ampersand S. So not S A N D S. It's S and symbol S. I probably should change it to make it a little bit easier, but we'll we'll cross that bridge later. Um, we're here. Update wise, I don't really have anything going on. Nothing is new. Things are still in cooling. Uh, Condros are still locking, but no signs of any action there, uh, other than them locking. So um christmas is coming up this is the last snakes and stogies of the year we're gonna have our end of the year network show on thursday uh, i don't know if that'll be live or not yet i haven't talked to the guys to figure out what they would rather do um 
and then we're taking, you know, we'll come back in the new year. So we like to take the last two weeks or so of December off and kind of kick it because everyone's busy anyways. So, um, yeah, you won't see us for, for a little while, but it's a nice break. So, uh, Mike, what's going up, up yonder? Yeah. <clears throat> Lots of rain. <laughs> Uh, not too much. I got the subox, both pairs of subox information. Only one will maybe go next year. That'd be yours. Actually, she took a swing at me uh, when I checked on her last week. <laughs> she didn't really like me checking on her when she was uh, 50 degrees. Uh, and then yeah. all the Kentuckys are in brumation and another pair of pine snakes that I won't be reading, but save some money on food. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I ended up getting, so I got one Bahama boa of one of the only litters produced in Canada. And so I got a male from there. And then a couple months, so the next weekend, I helped my buddy at a reptile show. And he ended up having one of the three pairs of adults that came in the country five years ago or so. Oh, wow. So I, was, so I was able to bug him enough to call me a month later asking if I wanted the pair. So I traded him a whole litter of sand boas for them. <laughs> the best trade of all time, other than the female did need some veterinary care just because we don't really know at the moment, but she does have like a swollen jaw and it's kind of stalling right now. So hopefully it's nothing cancerous or anything. Yeah. But we're, we're, I'm, she's been to the vet a few times and hopefully she pulls through, but, the male and that, they, they look stunning. And other than her jaw and her, actually, the best part is she dropped 19 slugs and nobody knew she was even carrying anything. Wow. But she even after that, she her body tone is still not terrible. And mm -hmm. she she's, other than her face, she looks pretty good, which is, hope, hope fingers crossed, that uh, she pulls through. And in a couple of years, we make some more Bahama bows. Yeah, that's cool. I can't imagine a lot of that uh, Kyla Bothra stuff is, is easy to get up there. Yeah, I believe. So the Thomas Huff guy that actually created the term herpetoculture, he, and he actually has wrote many of the first papers on captive reading of uh, Puerto Ricans, Jamaicans, Cubans. If you look, look it up on, uh, uh, was it Google Scholar? His are yeah. his are some of the first things that come up from like anywhere from the seventies to early eighties. So mm -hmm. he had we had all this stuff in Canada, and even I think I remember Rob and that saying that the Jamaicans and Puerto Ricans and stuff all came from his stock. But now there's none of it left. Uh, there might have been some a couple Haitian boa stuff. I remember uh, Tyrone saying that was in the country like twenty years ago. Uh, but other than that, uh, a few. Few, uh, I think a couple guys. They brought in three Dominican boas or four Dominican boas and uh, six Bahama boas, I believe, of the of two different localities of the Bahamas. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's what we got. But I think with the loosening of like the Puerto Ricans, that we might be able to maybe bring in some Puerto Ricans from Europe, depending on paperwork. But that would be neat. Yeah, I did. Wasn't there recently? I don't know if I read it or if there was a video or something I had found, but they were saying that basically the the population of Puerto Ricans had become considerably more stable to the point to where they felt more comfortable not 
I guess taking him a notch down on CITES or something similar? Yeah, I believe as of February or January, they went down to CITES 2. Mm -hmm. So theoretically, you yeah. could probably ship them other than unless... But I, th I thought I heard that you guys still have them as a endangered species ESA yeah, type probably. thing. Yeah, probably. I know so. there's there's literally only a handful of guys in the in the country that, that have them and actually breed them on a fairly consistent basis. But, man, Jamaicans are at the top of my list for those. Like, again, if I had more space, and eventually I would like to, like I plan on making some space for, for subflavis because those things are just incredible. And the fact that, like, they're doing so well in captive collections here in the U.S., but they're still so heavily restricted and regulated, you know, in Jamaica. It's kind of laughable because it's like I don't know of any people that are actually going down to Jamaica and smuggling these things. And the big part of the problem there is like people are killing them because they think that there's some sort of, you know, mysticism about them or, you know, they're going to whatever those weird wives tales type deals um you know they're getting killed on site by a lot of that, a lot of oh, that yeah. crowd. So I would love to have some though. It's just a, it's an awesome snake. Yeah, I believe Thomas Huff actually originally in the '80s. I want to say he tried to like he started a captive population of them, obviously. Um, but I believe he wanted to actually like reintroduce some into the gov into Jamaica. But then Jamaica said no because they don't like snakes kind of thing back then. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't so, surprise me. I'm sure it wouldn't be much different now. Yeah, which is Randy's, terrible. Randy's, Randy's not too far from you. He's got a bunch of Dominican Reds. He says he has a ton of them that he needs to he needs to part with. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've been debating it because the Cody Joe uh, in Alberta, who's the guy that bred the Bahamas and the Dominicans up here, he bred Apodora this year, which is mm -hmm. pretty neat. So I think he's, I want to say he's probably one of the first or second people in Canada to breed Apodora. Uh, but he did pre make Dominicans again this year. And I've been eyeballing them since they were born. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, but like, I kind of also want to just create a mini army of Bahama bows. So it's, it's a give and a take. It's a good bargaining chip, man. You get the army of those, and then someone else has, you know, Randy has all the Dominicans. And he's like, let's swap them. Oh, yeah. Get a little horse, horse trading going on, you know? Yeah. You just have to show them how cool the Bahamas are because they're like an inland version of the Dominicans when the Dominicans mm -hmm. are like the hypo bread lie. Although yeah. the Bahamas do have some really like, they have this the bluish gray, blacks, and even a little bit of browns. Babies are more brown, but. As they get older, that shifts to grays and blacks, and they're they're a really beautiful snake. Yeah, that whole genus, man. It's it's one of those things where I feel like I have to see them all individually, but in front of me at the same time to sort of really appreciate, <clears throat> like the Fords and the Cubans and and the Bahamas and stuff like that. Um, it's just such a oddly scattered group, you know, with oh. the, just the tons of islands and stuff down there's oh yeah even with the bahamas there's uh each island is theoretically like they try to keep locality within the islands because each island kind of looks different and the island groups kind of split into five or six different subspecies i believe i i have the i got the caribbean boa book and it has everything in it even mm -hmm. 
even the Corrales and the and the Boa localities in the Caribbean. So it's it's a really neat book that everybody should have. Yeah, I just I just got a copy of that. I worked with um, the Virgin Island Boas when I was at St. Louis, the Monensis. And, oh, that's, uh, and that's sweet. They're now Grant Grantii. I think they're now split from Reynolds. And yeah, his I, I actually gave him a tour of our facility because the curator at St. Louis, um, he's big into the island boas and he wants to get a program going with them. And it was awesome getting to talk to Dr. Reynolds about it. And then, yeah, I, I just got a copy of this book. I haven't quite cracked into it yet, man, but I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Oh, yeah, um, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just got a pair of, uh, which ones from or, Ornatus, I think. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I just got a pair of those. They're not with me now, but they're, they're, I, I live in the, the Florida Keys, so like it's like set up for the for island boas, man. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> give, me, give me give me everything. Like, I want them all. I've got a, I've got a wall behind me that I want to be stacked with them. So that's sweet. Yeah, I wish we could get all those. Like even uh, Chrysogaster, and I think Exuls were in Canada at one point. Those are, those are insane. There's a picture of Exuls in uh, the the uh, what's his name. The, the Python and Boas book from like the 70s. Mm -hmm. There's a picture, oh, yeah, yeah. picture of some of that stuff in there, and it's like, ah, uh, this stuff was all, has been in herpetoculture for so long, and they've been forgotten for, like, they've been in herpetoculture for 50, 60 years, and, they're, and people still don't follow them as much as they should. Have you seen the uh, Argentum, I think is their scientific name, the newer species? Oh, yeah, it's like the first chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do it. Those are, I think that's what his talk was on. And yeah, it was just like, gosh, this is, this is awesome. So uh, he was talking, talking to us, uh, Dr. Reynolds. He's like, yeah, if we can set something up for captive rearing, maybe we could get the zoo tied into it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. You know? Yeah, so, that'd be sweet. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the work that he does uh, in the future with just that genus of snakes because he's, he's a stellar guy. And, He's really doing them justice, so it's pretty dope. Alec, are you at liberty to explain how the process of how these how zoos set up species survival plans? Like how um, do they how do they decide? Is it like a voting process in terms of what gets decided on what is the focus? Is it so so I actually I, I don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, my uh, my zoo career um, actually ended kind of abruptly um by my own choice because you know my my dream was always to be a herb keeper at a zoo and then um before grad school i was that and then after grad school i went back to st louis and had a, a quick year stint there and realized it wasn't kind of what i wanted to do um but my understanding of it is is basically um you know uh, they'll they'll identify a species that's you know of, of, of real great concern and you'll get a, a few zoos that pull together um, and kind of start a program. Um, at least um, with my time at St. Louis, there was different levels of which zoos um, were like invested, I guess right. you would say, in the protection of a, a group or a species. Um, and yeah, it just kind of depends. And I, I, they're, they're changing the programs now, I believe. I don't think they're going to be considered like SSPs anymore. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be turned into, I think it's called safe, but I'm not 100% not on that. So just seems like so many things with zoos appear to be a lot of a lot of paperwork and red tape kind of stuff and so it, i can only imagine them deciding to figure out what species they're going to protect takes a long time to actually get it 
decided on and finalized and yeah and it, it also depends like um it depends on kind of what your what your curators into i mean in all reality um if you've got a a, a curator that's really into um you know i'm trying to think uh, southeast asia or whatever you know they're gonna your, your department's gonna gear towards that right so um because of dr etling st louis zoo is very geared towards um western asia and so we we had done a lot in um regions in armenia um we, yeah. do, we they would send keepers there you know quite often um so yeah a lot of it depends on that i mean um i worked under two different curators um one of them was starting a cuban croc initiative um and after she had departed from the zoo um you know the next curator took over and you know i uh, was getting refocused and i'm really excited to see what they do because he's into the western asian um stuff and also again those island boas which you know from my time there i just absolutely fell in love with so i can't wait to see what that department does and just how how they take off with it it's a stellar place yeah, the western asian stuff is is overlooked a lot i mean there's a ton of really cool stuff out that way and um with the stuff that like the monte vipera stuff in iraq and iran and would those count towards that or is that yeah yeah that that general region i think it all kind of counts again i'm not 100 percent, but I, I i know a lot of species can be found uh, especially between like armenia and iran um mm -hmm. you can find some and you know the crossover so i would guess it would all be kind of treated the same um, that might be like right on that line where you go right. you know, Middle East versus Western Asia, but yeah. Are you guys so many with... like mono monotypic species, man? That that people mm -hmm. just don't know exist. You know, so... oh, like I, I I started off interning there in like 2019, um, and had I had never looked at European herps, Western Asian herps, nothing. Like I was like I I was a big veranded guy. Um, and you know, and then all of a sudden, one of the keepers that I became friends with was like, "Hey, like this is what we work with, you know, this is what we're big into. Like, what are your thoughts?" And I mean, I, I ran through like the European snake book and was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like <laughs> with like the Monte Vipera, I mean, some of those species are hibernating for over eight months out of the year, and they're active for just such a I mean, small amount of time, and it's just it's just so weird, and they're just they're just cool. You can't. You know, and, and a lot of it too is uh, they're very understudied because a lot of the regions um, were originally, you know, they're originally Russian. Um, and so right. Russian scientists, you know, back in the day weren't as thorough. And so like I, my buddies that still work there, they go over there and they're constantly discovering, you know, new locales where animals are found, just weird, cool things. And it's, you know, you got to love to see that. So. Are you guys working with any of those salamanders? <clears throat> salamanders in the uh iran and that so any of the so, so we had um we had uh, kaiser eye we did um and like again I, I i'm pretty sure like i said i i haven't i haven't been working there in basically a year now um and i haven't visited in a while so i can't remember exactly but i know we had kaiser eye we actually had it like my buddy was the one that ran those and they had to take them like off exhibit because they were just like producing too much. <laughs> he was like, the only way to display them is aquatic. And if they're aquatic, they breed and, you know, cycling right. was down pat. So but yeah, we had those guys. Um, I don't think we had many others from 
like those regions, of course. So I'd yeah. imagine some of those are so specialized because I know there's some of those cave species and stuff to where it's like getting the the parameters down to keep those successfully is probably pretty tough. Well, and then with the um, like Iranian and Iraqi stuff, it's a geopolitical thing at this point. Right. You know, right. you can't. You can't if you're if you're American, you know you can't go over there. So it's a freaking shame yeah. too, man. Because you see some of those videos of Iran and some of like the the just the territories and stuff just across that entire country. Like everyone thinks it's kind of just oh. desert and stuff, and it's if you don't really have awesome. the audition Chimera, um, it's reptiles and amphibians of Iran book. Uh, go and buy it. It's I again I bought it because I saw it was coming out. I was at St. Louis and I was like, oh yeah. And I finally got through all of it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just – it's an awesome book. So, And it makes you wish that you could go there, yeah. you know, maybe one day, but, you know, just see what happens. I don't yeah, think you, it's going to be any soon. No, no, unfortunately not. And, yeah, you just you – don't, you don't think about the different, uh, like, ecosystems and regions from what's, you know, what you see online and stuff. It's all just – a lot of people think it's just desert, and it's, it's not that. Yeah, it's, not at all. There's some really awesome places there that have some really unique species that are, again, just understudied and no one knows much about. So. No uh, Caspian tigers uh, behind exhibit? <laughs> <laughs> no. Unfortunately not. Well, I know we're like 20 minutes in, but our, our guest this evening is Alex Schmacht. Is, is, is it Schmacht or Schmacht? Schmacht, yeah, it's a, the fun German name. Nice. Um, who recently went to South Africa, and so we, you know, figured. I saw the pictures he had posted, and I was like, "We gotta, we gotta talk about it." So here we are. Uh, if you want to sort of just, you can give a brief or long-winded version of you know your your journey through Herps up until this point um completely up to you but just sort of quick background information and some context yeah yeah for sure so um um was like born and raised just north of denver um i got into herps real young age like most people um local reptile store well you know was where i got my first job um really like fell into it there was keeping i mean by the time i think i was in fourth grade, my room was stacked full of different herps and stuff. I had probably over 20 to 30, and then that continued to grow. Um, ended up uh, going to college um, in Missouri, got my bachelor's, uh, started working at or started interning at a few different zoos. Um, one being I interned at Denver in their tropical discovery, and then I got an internship at a butterfly aviary in Branson, Missouri, which was really cool. Um, oh, that's and cool. then, yeah, yeah, it was a different side of things. They had a, they had a reptile like uh, area, but the uh, entomologist actually had met me at a show and was like, dude, you know, like, like we literally bought animals from you basically. Like you don't need to do the herbs. Like let's get you into something different. So I did that. And then internship at St. Louis zoo, um, which turned into a part-time job right as COVID hit. Mm -hmm. um, the curator there introduced me to uh, Dr. Lofman, which I'm sure you know you guys are familiar with Dr. Lofman, um, to which uh, him and I, I mean, after our first phone call, we hit it off, and I ventured over to West Virginia to get my master's underneath him. 
um, for my thesis. Uh, it changed a handful of times. I was going to do varanids. I was going to do indigo snakes, and I landed on hellbenders. So I, uh, I did a, a field-based study um, with different capture techniques on eastern hellbenders in the northern West Virginia panhandle. Um, about three-fourths of my way through grad school, I got a job back at St. Louis Zoo as a full-time keeper, um, in which I, you know, I worked there for around a year. I left that for some other opportunities. Um, uh, I was one being, you know, I moved to Costa Rica for a bit and then came back and now I'm uh, living in the Keys. Um, yeah, currently don't have any uh, actual herps at my house, which is so weird. Um, my business partner, uh, Brennan uh, Weekly, he's still based in Missouri. Uh, he's got all of our stuff, but yeah, we work with um, a lot of Morelia, of course, that's what you know, got me really going. And Brennan has added fuel to that fire because he's one person I talked into liking Morelia. Everyone else <laughs> growing up wanted ball pythons. And I was like, oh, but these uh, these carbon pythons, man. Um, and it's grown past that. So we work with uh, Boa Dawn. We've got striped house snakes. We've got um, Madagascar cat-eyed snakes. We've got northern pines. Um, we've got uh, Mexican northern pines, too. Um, we've got a pair of Bimax. Um, I mean, Morelia, we've got Inlands, Bredeli, Jungles, Darwins, uh, Brisbane Coastals. What else am I forgetting? Oh, Rainbow Boas, Amazon Tree Boas, um, Emerald Tree Boas, Green Tree Pythons. Uh, we've got some really nice uh, Okatee locale corn snakes. Um, some, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. I got those from Loafman. He was like, yeah, I think I'm going to get rid of these. And I was like sending them to me those are not going anywhere my friend um and then uh, i've got some desert kings we've got the the island boas that we're working with uh what else i think we've got like one day gecko from a pair that we bought years ago um yeah so just a handful of a lot of different species uh we had more i used to I mean i kept before i moved to costa rica we were working with uh, boiga uh, scrub pythons, uh, shoot, what else? Uh, of course, you know, got to have false water cobras if you come out of Loafman's lab. So I have yeah. some of those. I feel like that's like a requirement that when you, when you, yeah. even you graduate, like he's giving you a handful of those and like, yeah, you know. he, he, they're coming out of the walls at that point. He's just like, <laughs> take them. And you're like, all right, cool. I, I, I can take those. Um, yeah. So a handful of different species, we're doing a lot of different stuff throughout my time in culture and yeah it's, it's been a good time um now i'm working seasonally as a, a biological consultant like a technician and traveling when i can i've just like i said just did south africa we just got caught up in the bahamas for like four days on an island that didn't have bahama boas so that sucked um due to weather and uh yeah i've got a trip to australia booked for march so nice yeah, man, a lot of a lot of traveling going on. Excited for that, and excited to see that uh, see everything that we can. Uh, Costa Rica, man, I'd I'd want to get down there at some point. I think my wife and I have kind of settled on that being sort of our first international trip. Um, that's just been on my list for for a long time. I mean, being into dart frogs as much as I am, like that's what I I have more interest in seeing dart frogs in the wild than I do most snake species. As weird as that that seems for me, but. It just seems like such a such a great place to go, and it sounds like it's fairly, you know, trip wise as far as travel and stuff. It sounds like it's fairly inexpensive compared to a lot of others too. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um, I didn't have the, uh, the the best of time herping and stuff. We were there during the dry season, so it was mm. it was rougher time. But you know, I got what is it the cat-eyed snakes? I think that are down there. Um, of course, we got uh, both rops. Mm-hmm. Um, just common stuff. I didn't didn't get anything crazy. I did get a milk frog. That was pretty dope. That was oh, cool. cool. It was like we were eating dinner, and it was on a post right next to where we were eating, and it was like, oh hey. That's a that's a milk frog. That's pretty awesome. So, where in Australia are you going? So uh, we are flying into Sydney, um, and we're going to be doing a loop to the. Um, we're going to try to get as far inland as we can without going to Alice Springs, um, and then looping back down to the southeast um, and coming up the coast there. And then after that, we've got like a three day stint in Tasmania that we're doing. Um, trying to find, of course, you know, the giant crayfish because, again, come out of Loafman's lab, he is he is an astacologist, so gotta gotta like those two. So yeah, so we're gonna we're we're renting a like a camper truck and just gonna be driving and camping along the way, man, hoping to turn up some bobtails, monitors, natophis, all that fun stuff. Awesome. awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a verandid nut, so I'm not going to the most densely dense areas for verandids. But if I see a a lace monitor or a Rosenberg's monitor, I might, you know, I might cry. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was the uh, the the getting into the South Africa trip? Sort of what was the purpose for that? Yeah. So um, actually. Um, one of my friends, uh, she's a girl that was in, uh, she was an undergrad when I was in grad school, got accepted into uh, a university for her master's in uh, Bloemfontein, South Africa, uh, studying giraffes. She's doing a, a study on how different um, uh, noises, basically how the giraffes you know, are affected by that, uh, noise pollution. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she was figured out she was going there and I basically was like, can I come visit you? She was like, yeah, come on. So that was that was literally the premise of it. I was like, well, I got a friend in South Africa. I can you know, go there, find a relatively cheap flight, don't have to worry about lodging, spend uh, two weeks running around herping and you know, helping her with her project. And we ended up splitting it and going to uh, Port Elizabeth for part of the trip, which was really cool going down you know, to coastal region and yeah, that was that was basically it, man. It was to visit a friend and help her with her project and herp when I could. How many How, uh, species did you find when you were there? Um, I actually didn't find that many. Um, again, like herping wasn't the main. I, I wish it was the main part of the trip, um, but I mean, I, I would say not more than probably ten or fifteen. Like, um, which you know, that's after two weeks, it kind of sounds a little sad but no it was good um it, yeah it was it was a it was a fun time it was definitely interesting too like it was a different being the, the that region of the world it was herping was a little bit different and so it, it took some getting used to but uh yeah no it was it was good i didn't get quite as many species as i wanted but still had a fun time how long of a flight is that so if you buy the cheapest ticket that you can um, you end up flying to Istanbul, Turkey, which is about a 13-hour flight. You hang out in Istanbul for about nine hours, 
and then you fly basically the whole continent of Africa to South Africa, which is another like nine hours. So I mean, I was traveling for like 40 something hours each way. And that was, that was a lot. And like, I had like that right amount of time for a layover in Turkey. And I was like, Oh, like going to jump out and herp like, heck yeah, man, let's go. Let's, let's knock some stuff off there. And then realize, you know, it's not warm in Turkey at this time of year. So <laughs> quickly, quickly didn't do that. Yeah. And it was probably good that I didn't, I don't know if I would have made it back. So, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. South Africa would be nice. It's uh that's another one though, where I've always sort of heard mixed things as far as the, again, the sort of the geopolitical aspect of things and seems to always be various degrees of, of hostility going on. But I guess that's more dependent on where you are in the country itself. But yeah, yeah. Overall, like I mean, like, and it's it's that's still going on. There is that. It's it, it's interesting because like from the guys that I was there with explaining it, right now is a time where there could be some political unrest. Um, just from a new, I, I can't. I think they have a president. I can't remember, but they're electing a new leader um, in the current dominating party. Um, might get upset by another party, and that you know right. causes a bunch of issues. Mm. Um, overall, Bloom was like good. Um, the Port Elizabeth area that was that was interesting. I uh, I don't know if I, I I pride myself on this or not, but my friend has lived there for over a year, and I put her in her second most sketchy situation <laughs> ever. Herping, of course. Um, I uh. I met up with some local snake catchers and herpers there, which, you know, I can't say enough about. Those guys are awesome. Um, but uh, one of them, we were driving back after a day of herping, and he was like, yeah, like, over here. And I was like, oh, like, I remember that store. Like, yeah, I want to herp that hillside. Like, what do you think? And he was like, oh, go ahead. He's like, you're good. So, like, two days later, her and I went there in the evening. And I, like, messaged him before. I was like, hey, we're going to hit this if you want to come. Or if you think it's a bad idea, just let me know. And I didn't hear back from him. I was like, oh, we'll be fine. So we get into the middle of this hillside, and he's like, I would not be there right now. Um, it's a very likely chance you get stabbed if you're there. And, like, I'm in the middle of flipping a rock, and I got this message, and I was like, oh, okay. We're going to we're gonna get out of here. Let's, uh, let's get back to the car, you know. So, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting place, man. You got you to definitely have your head on a swivel. That's for sure. So there was areas we would herp, and – the guy's like, yeah, like we could get Cape Cobras over on that side, but you know, that's where the gangs hang out. So we're not going to go over there. Like we don't want to get stabbed or shot. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Let's not do that. So. <laughs> I'd prefer we didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm having a good time and I don't feel like ruining that. So like, I just, just found this tortoise. I want to keep the vibes up, not, not bring them down. So, but Chris, yeah. Chris Trippy said my old food runner got kidnapped in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, need more more yeah. context there young college kid wandering around <laughs> yeah maybe i just haven't traveled enough but that's like my biggest fear is like getting kidnapped abroad and having like no control over it like whatever happens happens like you don't i mean aside from picking up a rock and trying to like fight back and run you know? So, I mean, a lot of it is just like, don't put yourself in those situations. Like it's very easy. As long as you're 
got a decent head on your shoulders, you know, and you're not super naive. Like, just don't put yourself in a sketchy situation and you'll be fine. Um, some of the guys, you know, one thing about South Africa is there's so much uh, fear behind the snakes and stuff there. So, like, we were going out looking for chameleons and stuff, and the guy I was with, um, Merrick, he was like, hey, if we see people, he's like, go right into the bush. He's like, they will not follow you into the bush because they are terrified of it. And I was like, all right, cool. Safe that's, that's fine. I'm like, I'm not terrified of it. I hope I find something when I'm in there. So, like, let's go. So, Well, I would also hope that something like that, that would be, like, you're out. So if you, you end up in those sort of those sketchy parts and people are like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, we're here looking for snakes. They'd be like, oh, okay. Carry on. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Um, there was, we, the, the, you saw the, the chameleon pictures. We were, we hit that up and, you know, awesome time finding chameleons. And all of a sudden we got off the, the hillside and got in the car and, Again, the guy Merrick was like, yo, he's like, roll the windows up, lock the doors. This is not a safe area. We got to get out of here. And it was like, sweet. Let's, let's get the heck out of here, man. <laughs> so Yeah, I actually have. I'll pull those up because I've got the pictures. Smitty would only get kidnapped if a van said free Castani corns inside. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. So, dude, that that monitor right there that was like a huge deal for me because i used to keep those like that's that's one of the animals that got me into herpetoculture yeah like I, I i was looking through memories like i don't know two days ago and i found a picture of me holding my first black throat and i was like oh my gosh that's that's so awesome like I was, yeah I man did that the black throats in particular, you don't realize how big they get until you see some of those pictures of like full, just diesel yeah. adults. Yeah. See, and that's it. These guys, these guys were, this is one of the white throats, I believe. I don't, the black throats are more up north. Um, so these guys do stay smaller. They're like, I believe like four feet max, but like still just subspecies out, you know, but just a rock monitor. It was like, gosh, dang. Yeah, I mean, how long was that? Like how? He was about three and a half feet, four feet. Okay. Yeah, I, I've got a. I don't. I didn't post one. I've got a picture of me holding it. You can get more of a size to it, man. That that we. Uh, yeah, that was that was such a cool animal. That was like my my highlight of the trip was was that guy right there. Honestly, I I told the the herb guy the guy I was with Jade I was like, yo, rock monitor. It's like get me a monitor, man. And he was like, they're they're rare, but we can try. And then he got a call for one and. We ran out and grabbed that guy, and it was just setting me over the moon. <laughs> he looks pretty relaxed. Uh, he's he's uh yeah he's he's playing dead or you know being limp to act <laughs> dead at that point. So so this was just in somebody's backyard or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no he, he got a call and uh, he only had a, a a motorbike at that point and he had just had shoulder surgery and he's like i can't get there but if you pick me up like let's go and i was like you have no idea how cool i am with that let's do this and 10 minutes later we were we were grabbing a monitor from someone's backyard it's just so foreign you know you see the people in australia and they got like carpet pythons in their house and stuff and it's just like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's the same for other people when we see like corn snakes and stuff in our backyard and whatnot. But to see something like like that, yeah, like going out on calls with the guys, they're like, "Yep, yeah, it's Cape Cobra." 
and just like it's a like a garter snake i mean it's not you know they do they do treat them like they're venomous but just like yeah they're the most common snake that we have here that's, Those just, are that's wild to me like capes are are easily probably my favorite as far as cobras go species wise oh. yep and so anytime like when i saw that you you would come across a couple of those man it's like i would kill to see those yeah no dude it was again also one of my they are my favorite i will say i i love i love nivea especially you get this the speckled phase yeah um which like which i didn't know this you know all the ones that i had seen the speckled ones were like the gold with like the black speckling mm-hmm. you actually get individuals that are black with just a wee bit of gold speckling i believe and it. they're just just beautiful I mean, yeah. you can't, can't go wrong with them yeah, I like those the ones that have almost like the buttermilk racer look to them that are just mm-hmm. you know super chaotic and yeah yeah they're they're awesome man definitely and it was just it was cool seeing them I I, I remember I was again like 19 years old and just a, at that point in my life a wild gun and I almost bought a pair of them <laughs> like my to keep in my college dorm at that point like that's I just loved them so much I'm so happy I didn't do that because you know but yeah it was yeah i just can't get over it man it was, well, it was such I, a cool experience if i recall capes are like one of the most toxic species they are to my knowledge the most venomous cobra in the world those things are they're, yeah their venom is up to par with uh with a black mamba i believe yeah yeah the guys i was with we were talking about that and he was like yeah he's like if i get bit by one he's like i've got a small flask of whiskey in my bag i'm gonna find a nice shady tree and damn. that's it that's life you know i'm gonna go chill out and enjoy myself and i was like damn and this this is a guy who's handling them you know every day voluntarily right. i mean like he, he just goes out and volunteers to go catch these things and remove them to keep them safe which is so awesome again i can't speak enough about those guys well there was also i read something on facebook the other day because there was some post about one of the free handling jackasses over there and like I guess there's an anti-venom shortage right now in South Africa. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, so I don't know how how serious of a shortage it is because they were talking about you know these guys really it sucks that they're doing this because there's a shortage and if you're getting bit doing something stupid you're taking away from someone who might actually need it for a legitimate bite. Yeah. You know and yeah, which yeah it, it's it's so interesting because you know you see the videos and stuff of these guys and like tailing is a huge thing there. I mean, that's a normal thing. Um, same with like Australia, just tailing them and right, right. But these guys have the same um, kind of mentality as us, and it, it made me laugh because they're like, "Yeah, we have guys that come here and do cowboy shit," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's literally what we, you know how I describe like free handlers and stuff." I was like, "This is awesome." Um, and yeah, they were talking about like there's there's a few guys in that region that catch snakes and stuff that'll just like try to they call it instead of pinning, it's necking. Mm-hmm. They'll try to neck a puff at her without actually pinning it. Just grab it. And there's a guy who's been bit like three times in like the past year. And they're like, he's a dipshit. And I'm like, yeah. You know. The but, lesson repeats as necessary. Exactly, man. Exactly. So, but yeah, I just, they were, yeah, it was cool. As Phil's replacement for tonight, have you, did you see any ring calls while you were there? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, go like two pictures over. That's what I was waiting for Phil. I met Phil with Loafman and I knew he worked with them. Um, so yeah, if you go over, I think one more picture, we've got a nice adult, uh, wrinkles that 
we yeah, ran into. Yeah, I love that, that dark, just black, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is one that removed from a house too, man. I mean, and then my favorite is the, the next little guy that's got that nice white banding on it. Um, yeah, that guy there. That was that was a cool snake, and and I didn't realize that um, um, just how often they play dead. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like this thing stood up like this for about two minutes, and then was like, "Oh, I'm dead," and just laid there. It was like, like get back up, do the cobra pose. Like, come on, man! Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get pictures here. So, and he was just like, "Yep, I'm just gonna be dead." So, yeah. Well, it's it wild too cool. that the the pattern looks looks like a espetalapse. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of like a like a lubricus or or something. Yeah. Do they all come out looking like that? I I actually have no idea, man. Honestly, I I didn't get. I'm I'm not super in tune with the, the alaphids. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, there he is. He's dead. <laughs> but it's so weird because you know I'm I'm used to like hognose and stuff. These like basically harmless snakes playing dead. And then now we've got this toxic cobra that's like, oh, I'm dead. Heck, man. So it was, yeah, it was an experience. Were you guys wearing like face shields at all, or did you guys just keep a safe distance? Glasses. Yeah, it was. We we were wearing glasses every time we handled them. Um, actually, it was it was a pain in the butt because uh, with that larger individual, all I had were sunglasses, (laughs) and I was trying to get pictures of it, but I couldn't see through my like uh, my camera thing that well so i'm trying to like sneak up my glasses while it's spitting and stuff yeah it was fun time and they, they did spit quite a bit um but uh yeah they weren't they weren't as i'm trying to, i i had seen them before when i was interning at uh, denver and i want to say those guys really didn't spit that much and, and these wild ones just they were just let it go yeah from what phil has said it sounds like sort of after a while in captivity they kind of i think get the the gist of of the routine yeah. with stuff and kind of realize it's it's not worth the effort yeah but, yeah i mean it's wild you got a, a species that that spits you know obviously bites but then plays dead so it's it's like if one of the three doesn't work you know it's what do you do yeah at that point you're just kind of sol i think they just play dead expecting someone to pick them up so they can they can tag them and run get you get you back and then take off that 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 went through my mind too actually so yeah like they do that thinking americans will be like oh i'm a hog nose pick me up play with me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that's a nice looking puff too dude the the puffs were they were something man uh if if you've never seen a large bitus uh i think levitate um, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll get you. It'll scare you. That's for sure. We, uh, it wasn't this one, but the, the, I think the next picture, that guy, he did like the perfect strike up and levitate and turn. It was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, that guy, that thing was mental, dude. That thing was just off the wall. Did not want to be near anybody. And yeah. So, but they're just, I mean, they're brilliant there. I mean, uh, one of the guys, he sent me a picture of about a week ago after I'd got back, and he's like, hey, check this one out. And it literally is a puff that – it's just gray. Like, it's it's got the patterning and stuff, but it's just a gray – I don't know what genetics that would be, but it's a beautiful animal. 
If it's like an exanthic or something, or yeah, some sort of so, but melanism. I'm, I'm sure more pop up of them, like anything else. Oh, and and that's one thing. Talking to the guys there, um, they both were talking about like, oh yeah, like we found a a, a leucistic slug eater, like four weeks ago, or oh. we found this, and it just seemed like it was a lot more common for like the weird morphs to pop up or some weird genetic variant, which, you know, with the ball Python world, I guess that kind of makes sense to me. So being, but yeah, they would just be like, yeah, we found this one or, you know, we found this weird genetic, I don't know. So, but yeah, the puffs were, they were definitely a highlight too, man. I did their, their dirt common there, but like, God, that, just, that yeah. would not get old to find. I would think. I, I don't think so either. Honestly, and and there's so much like variation in them. Yeah, and that's just the, that's the coolest thing. Like some of them have, and it, I guess the same with the cobras, especially the capes. But like some of them have that real nice caramel hue to them. Some of them have more of those browns, and I don't know. That's just I, I can't. I don't understand the logic. I mean, I I wouldn't freehandle anything venomous, but I sure as hell like a puff would be probably at the at the bottom of that list of, of species that I'd want to put my hands on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even even like pinning them, man. I mean, you you pin these guys wrong, and they'll just drop a fang through their bottom lip and break mm-hmm. Like, and that's just you know, it's just terrifying to think about that. Like, even when you think you're doing it right, like. So, but yeah, they're they're stellar, man. So. Philothamnus. Yeah, Philothamnus. So, oh, yeah. which I, I wish. That picture would have turned out a little bit better. It's a good portrait, but yeah, that was a that was a cool one, man. That I worked with uh, one of these species at St. Louis, and so seeing that guy was awesome. It was like woohoo, this this brush yeah. name. So which they're uh, they're cool, yeah. man. They just they blend in. It's it's so it's it's a pain in the butt to see them. Oh, I'm sure. I remember those coming in. Probably maybe not that species, but I remember right. Right during COVID, they were they showed up and people mm-hmm. were trying to sell them. Yeah, they had them yeah, at a I, show not that long ago. I, again, I don't know if it was that species in particular, but I'm pretty sure it was that same genus, and they were selling for like thirty bucks a piece. And like, man, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's they're not this species; they're just the African brush snake, I believe. Yeah. Um, and but still, I mean, they're a beautiful little green snake. Like, come on. Um, but yeah, I, they're they're awesome, man. Yeah, they're they're cool. Just can't. Yeah, and then there there he is on on the branch. So which, cool one. I so I, I I'm like I I don't count it, but I am like ninety percent sure during uh, my cruise through a doe, I saw boomslang on the crossing the road. And uh, of course, it's like the game reserve, so couldn't get out of the car because you know there could be a lion or leopard rider. I, I tried. I was the people I was with. I was like, let me out. Like I want that snake. <laughs> but, uh, it was on the edge of the road doing the the, the cool um, head movements that you see the the boom slangs doing. Yeah, the wind. Yeah, the yeah and I just i i couldn't I couldn't get out of the car, man. They would not let me out, and I was like, just just let me get just let me get to that thing. At least a cell phone picture. Like, come on. So there's no lines around, man. We would have seen them by now. That, that's where I was at. I was like, you know, I know there's elephants like 300 yards that way, but. That snake is only like six yards, so come on. What are the chances? But I'll bet money that I can outrun that. There's enough distance. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they'll close the gap quick enough for me to get back to the car. But <laughs> if they if they prove me wrong, then you know, pour one out. But I don't know which one would be worse as far as like all the stuff, as far as like macro fauna between elephants and uh, rhinos and and lions. Uh, water buffalo, dude. Be, I know hippos like, kill a lot of people. In or cape, yeah, cape, cape buffalo. Yeah, dude. They call them, uh, I found this out, they call them the Black Death there. Or hippos. Hard pass. Yeah, definitely. I'll, 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 I'll mess with the cobras before that. Harry so. asked if there were egg eaters in that part. Uh, so, so, yes. What species i can't remember what species um but there i think i think they're which ones are they i don't know yes there is there is eaters um i have pictures of one somewhere i don't think i posted them i'll have to try to find them but i did see one of those guys yeah harry keeps some of those i think that would be a fun a fun species because it sounds like they're they're a lot more arboreal than maybe people think and so they don't keep them quite right as such yeah and like if i was gonna do one dude i'd i'd totally deck out like a you know a xa3 or something from black box and put you know the little fake birds nests and stuff in there and really like twig it out and yeah that's a really good looking yeah. house snake too yeah dude and that that's one that was another one that was high on my list because i i i fell down the the boanon hole about Two years ago, three years ago, Loafman had um, those striped house snakes, lineatus or lineatus, and uh, he couldn't. He he was having trouble getting his males to eat, and I was like, "Let me let me take them on. Let me see what I can do." Mm-hmm. And I got them going, and I was like, "Oh my god, these things are awesome!" And so, of course, going there, I was like, "I gotta see if I can find a house snake." And uh, we yeah, we turned this guy up. Which a lot of these guys, they're they're again, they're common. These are like garter snakes. Mm-hmm. So roll logs and they're called house snakes for a reason you can you'll find them around settlements they're pretty they're pretty common so yeah he was a, he was a nice I've had, one i've had people say they were you know yeah they're colubrid but a lot of people sort of that i've talked to that have kept them have, have sort of said they're they're very python like in terms of just their sort of their mannerisms and yeah, yeah, I would I would have to say I agree with that, man. Feeding feeding them is just they like my 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 stripes have a awesome feeding response now and they grab and coil and it's just like like quick. Like they grab and they get every single inch that they can around that prey item. And it's just yeah, it's very python esque. I'm trying to think of like a, a good species to like anteresia is kind of what comes to yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually that would be about perfect. Yeah, they and they, they're not they are active, but they're not like that, you know, colubrid typical, like mm-hmm. very curious up and moving. They are more of a kind of a sedentary chill, move a little bit. And uh, yeah, they're, they're cool. Which then this group of snakes, um, the boa done, it's going back through um, the, the genus is getting worked on, I believe again, and there's going to be some more splitting off of it. So it'll be interesting how some of these species shake out. I think the, uh, Aurora house snake is going to be monophyletic now, but don't that would make sense because I mean, you look yeah. at those in comparison to like these, and they're very clearly different. You know, head structure yeah. wise, the skull structure and everything mm-hmm. is is very different. Um, yep. That would, so, that would yeah. make sense. 
I'm, I'm interested to see. I found that out again on this trip. One of the guys was telling me like, oh, it's all it's all changing. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, the, the house snakes. That was that was a cool one, man. It was exciting. That's a, that's a group of. They've been on my list of stuff to get into for years, and I just I never. It was it was never something I I pulled the trigger on. I've seen some of the cheaper imports and stuff at some of the shows. I've been really tempted, but you know, with as much sort of taxonomic chaos is kind of going on with them um at least semi-recently it's um, i don't want to get crosses if that makes sense like if i'm going to do it i want to get like something like the capensis and then be like actual capensis and not you know muddled up with other stuff yeah we we keep getting eggs out of our our lineatus because i mean do they breed I mean, they're not, they're not hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then they, they'll drop clutches and exactly. Brennan just commented. He, if he can keep the eggs going, man, we'll, we'll hook you up with some for sure. It's just, uh, for some reason they keep crashing, crashing on us. We can't, we can't quite figure out the, uh, the reason for that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So do better, Brennan. Come on. <laughs> Did you see any, <laughs> any captive, uh, collections while you're over there? So no, not really. Um, the the most captive collection I saw was uh, we actually went to, to find herpers. Went to the university's herp department, and they had two corn snakes. Um, which again, you know, awesome corn snakes in South Africa. That's pretty dope. And then uh, one of the guys I was with, he uh, he had a, a carpet python, which I think it was just like a, a mutt carpet, but he had one of those that had gotten uh, I think confiscated, and he he had acquired it because of that. So. But uh, did they a say, lot of the guys, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's say, what did they say? Sort of what laws they had in terms of that kind of stuff. It's like exotics and keeping it. And so it depends on, I believe, the state you're in. So with with Bloom, you can't keep any non-native venomous. You might not be able to keep any venomous unless you're like one of the snake catchers um, that removes them from properties. You're allowed to keep them to relocate them. Um, but, uh, I do think you're able to keep some stuff, but I think a lot of it's more local, like nothing really, truly exotic. I believe when you get into like Cape town, um, mm-hmm. cause there is breeders out there that, you know, yeah. like there's a big house snake, uh, bush veiled, I think is the big yep. house snake nice. Um, so I, I think you can, but for the most part, a lot of it is, um, what's it, uh, confiscated or if like a snake catcher goes out and finds an exotic, Mm-hmm. Through their permits, they're able to keep it because you know. Right. What else are they going to do? With it? Exactly. Exactly. So I almost reached out to um, one of the guys in Johannesburg. Cause that's where I flew in and out of um, to see if I could tour like their big venom facility, but on, I didn't have enough time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no. Um, I yeah i I don't I don't think I don't think you can keep it's as broadly kept like as in the States. Like I think a lot of it is more um, like uh, native space species and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And also I, I don't think that the, the herpticultural um, community is as developed. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had people that would watch us mess with uh, the snakes and they were terrified and they were a hundred feet away. <laughs> so like it's, it, yeah, it was, it's insane. So but, Phil uh, is in the chat. He said, "With the rinks, is it Gauteng localities? Gauteng? 
got gotting i i have no idea let me look up and see where that's at i can tell you if it's because i'm guessing that's like a legit area of south africa um if i was in that area i'll tell you like the ones that like the some phil has some that have you know they're like zebras you know they have the really nice banding and stuff and some have more of an orange rather than a white and but i really like that that super dark just black look of that that one yeah so so where i was at i am south i was south uh southwest of the gautang area hotang so, is what it's what go, it, gotang. okay yeah i was i was south uh southwest of that If he were here, we wouldn't have to worry about the pronunciation. <laughs> I haven't. I think I've seen pictures of these slug eaters. Dude, I, I found that thing, and I did not have um, my book or my phone or anything that worked. And so I like the first like twenty minutes of me, I had a hug, and I was working that thing like it was making <laughs> the world, man. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And then I finally got service, and I was like, oh, okay, it is a slug eater. I was like, I, I thought that's what it was, but I wasn't taking a chance. Their, uh, their musk smells just like uh, our North American water snakes, man. Ooh. It is just – it is potent. Looks like a little brown snake. Mm -hmm. Just more brown. Yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of the, like the earth snakes we have here. Yeah. So, which is an interesting thing, the, the Cape Cobras – uh, one of the guys told me this. Uh, their their musk and smells like curry, and it legit does. I was amazed. I just just curry. That's what it is. It's it's amazing. But yeah. Phil said he has FOMO, and then Sanchez said Phil's hemipenes are inverted. <laughs> <laughs> chameleons Ooh. yeah that was it was weird finding chameleons at like 60 degrees like we were we were at the top i don't know if I, I'll, I'll probably post a picture of the habitat where we found these guys but again we just we drove out to a mountaintop and we herped around looking for uh bird adders um during like the twilight hours and while the sun was setting and the guy I was with, uh, Merrick was like, Hey, like give it about five, 10 minutes and start shining the tops of the, the grasses. And we oh. did, man. And there was hundreds of these things. That's crazy. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And these are, these are a, the, an endemic to that area. So that was a really cool find. And thankfully, how, like how, how small are like, what was the adult size? I mean, an adult on these guys is maybe three, four inches. Oh wow, they they look they're, they look bigger in the picture. Yeah, yeah, these guys are. I mean, they're they're little, man. They're they're very small. Um, so we're talking so, like rivaling like the Brookesia stuff. Uh, yes, similar. Maybe a, a a tad bit bigger than that. Um, but yeah, not they're nowhere near as big as you would think, and they all they climb up to the tops of the grasses at night. Um. I haven't looked into why, but I would just guess it's to get rid of or get away from, you know, predators that are on yeah. the ground because, you know, you're less likely probably get picked off by a bird at night rather than a snake or something cruising. 
Um, so yeah, they just, they climb right up on the top and the wind's blowing and they're just holding on for dear life as these grass tops <laughs> are blowing all about and you can shine them really easy. It was really cool. So, and then it's really interesting. Their, uh, their strategy. So if they do get messed with, they just let go. It just, so these things, they, these things will fall like four feet, hit the ground and then just start climbing again. It is hilarious, man. I mean, when you're that light you're probably not going to get hurt too much because i'm sure they weigh next to nothing oh yeah yeah absolutely like zero so but yeah it was it was quite funny man trying to photograph one and it just drops and you're like oh cool i wonder if they fill the same niche as like strophers just in a different Mm -hmm. continent very similar but yeah yeah that's super surprised me like this this little guy was maybe an inch and a half two inches like he was tiny he was. He was a cool one to, to photograph. So and, and you can see that, that little that little black right there on his mm-hmm. back. That's actually from him falling. He bruised himself. And that's what I shot this quick this picture quick and we were like, all right, let him go. Like we don't need to stress him out anymore. Like so yeah. They were that was that was another highlight, man. It was like, you want to go find chameleons? And I was like, I've never found a chameleon before. So, uh, of course I do. Like, who the heck doesn't? Come on. Now they're in your backyard. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, it's a, I, I got to I gotta find the veils and stuff that are all around here. I've, I've got a few spots. I just haven't made it yet. So. There's just yeah. so many of those sort of monotypic, odd chameleon species that like I still, mm-hmm. I, I come across them online still, and I'm like, I have never seen or heard of those before. It's oh, just, it, it seems like every day Madagascar's got a new one. Mm-hmm. Like that thing looks insane. Those were cool because we met up at the the guy's house that I was with, and uh, you know we drove out an hour to go find those Smith's dwarf chameleons. And uh, we get back to his house, and it's dark, and he's like, all right, let's go find these other ones. And we just walk across the street to some trees. He's like, they're all over here. Start looking. And we turned up this male and then the, the gravid female in the next couple pictures. And it was just like, wow. And he's like, yeah, I've seen this male a handful of times. I, I come and check on him about it weekly. And this is his bush. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that's, aw- that's awesome, man. I wish that's I could cool. do that. That's one reason I want to go back to Hawaii. Like We lived there as a kid, and they've got – Jackson's chameleons got introduced there at some mm-hmm. point, and uh, I want to go back to Hawaii to see those and the erratus they have in the in the mountains there on, on Oahu. Yeah, cool yeah, I, I I got to go out there. My brother went to school there for a, a little while, so I went out there, and, and sadly it was a family trip, so I didn't get much herping. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to get out there and, and see those Jackson. I, to my knowledge, they're all over the plantations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. They they were like selling them on the on the side of the road when I was a kid. and We lived there because we bought really? there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, I guess that's not awesome. They're invasive, but it's funny. Um, I swear, when I was there, dude, we were we were driving by the the Dole Plantation and like a three foot green iguana shot across the road. <laughs> and again, one of those situations where like sixteen year old Alec couldn't get out the car window fast enough to tackle that thing. I, I wanted it so badly and. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, these. This girl was awesome, man. She was she was very 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 gravid. Like she she had to be just be carrying a 
a bunch of babies or was about to drop, man. She was huge. Mm -hmm. She was. I'd imagine the lifespan on those isn't isn't terribly long either. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I, again, I haven't quite looked into it, but um, I, I, if they get past seven to ten years, I'll be amazed. So, this was really cool. The, so some of the best beach herping uh, is in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, and these guys were right on a beach. And when you see them, you don't chase them. You let them run because they tuck into crevices and you take a stick and you got to tickle them out. One of the best times I've had herping, man. It was <laughs> so cool. Like, it just, and then there's just coastal waves hitting. I mean, there's crabs at your feet. It was, it was, it was awesome, man. It was, it was sweet. Yeah, that's, that's a group that, that I got into just because of Phil and how, you know, Phil's kept a handful of species of, of Cordillas and, now when I see them, you know, I, I got to stop and, and take a look at them and stuff. It's just a cool group. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got some in when I was at St. Louis or right before I got there, like uh, one of the species came in and again, like you had never really thought much about them. And then I saw those guys and I was like, okay, like those are pretty cool. And then, you know, you can deep dive very easily into the, in the genus and find quite a few cool species. So how do they do in captivity? I guess that's more of a, a question geared towards, Phil, the ones yeah. that were in St. Louis were very flighty still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like from what Phil's talked about in the past, um, you know, things going on outside of the enclosure definitely seem to keep them on high alert and giving them a, a place to where they can get some privacy and there's visual barriers and things like that seems to do them, do them some good. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what species he's kept. Um, Did but, he breed? He bred a one or two of the species i think yeah i'm trying to remember which one it was but then isn't there there's one species or something in a different genus that people can only breed outside in south africa in their native range just in a, Is in that a the smogs the, I, yeah. think, I think so yeah Star, stargazers yeah yeah uh, yeah i that's, think these that's are one that i I wanted to see was this one of the sun gazes because that's like one of the big herbs for South Africa, but it just not enough time, man. I definitely am going to be going back. And now that I've, I've got an idea of how it goes there, I definitely think I could get a decent herb trip out of it. I'm assuming you guys struck out on burg adders. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Unfortunately, we just, we didn't quite hit it right with the bergs. So we didn't hit it right with a lot of the snakes. Um, which, you know, is unfortunate. I, I, I was out when we actually got this gecko, um, same hillside, and I had flipped a cross-marked cross -marked snake, cross-band snake, one of the Semophis Sem species there. Yeah. And uh, I just took a quick phone picture of it in my hand and was like, cool, that was the first flip of the day. It's going to be a great day. Let's do this. And then we didn't find a snake the rest of the day. And I was like, damn, should have uh, should have photographed that. But we found a lot of other cool stuff, so. See any scorpions? Yeah, yeah, dude, bunch of scorpions. Um, which uh, I think we saw like three three species, but they they came in, they they were abundant. I mean, where uh, where those uh, those chameleons were at, man? We were flipping. Oh, it was that species? It's a larger black. I, I can ask the guys and let you know later. But yeah, they were all over. Like every other rock was a scorpion or two. Like is it like the parabuthus or? So were they really like were they really toxic? Were they So 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 no. So we we got some of the the African fat tails. Mm -hmm. Um 
we got a few of those, but the ones that the more common were not. They were like they're probably like the African flat rock scorpions. Yeah, is, uh-huh. is that is that sound familiar? I I haven't looked done scorpions. Yeah, yeah, I kept some of those at one point. They were, they're yeah, bizarre. So, but yeah, I'm not for sure. I know I, I believe we saw three species. I could again be wrong. Um, we did get some of the the fat tails, but for the most part, I think it was those flat rocks mm-hmm. that we were finding. So, which they were cool. These guys, these geckos, um, not where this guy was at, but back where that uh, Crodylus was, Crodylus, um, we went back at night one time, dude, and these little uh, spotted thick-toed geckos were all over the walkways. Like, <laughs> you could just shine them, and they were just running all about And again, it's like 60 degrees, and it's like, you know, in my mind, Africa's warm, and it's not, you know, a coastal cool region, and the herbs shouldn't be out, but these guys were running all, mm-hmm. all, all about. It was cool. That's really cool. Did you guys watch uh, a few years ago? Frank Colachico did that uh, her, uh, Tinley talk on herping and geckos, and I think he talked about even find there was a couple species of geckos on the beach, and it's like fifty or forty degrees out, and you flip a couple rocks, and and they're they're there, but it's like forty degrees at night down in yeah, South Africa. That's, that's where like where some of these guys were at the the beach where i can't remember the endemic species of gecko that we went for but we actually got there too late and it was too warm and they were just gone like they were nowhere to be found he's like once it gets too hot man but if you go out like you said when it's colder you know you can you can turn them up it's it's so again so weird in my mind thinking about that because i always think of you know warm especially when it comes to africa you know you don't think of it having like more temperate zones and stuff so yeah, it's another one that Skink guy was on was on the beach. Like, yeah. so this guy was cool because that actually um, that was found. We found that in Bloom, and we sent that to the uh, to the museum curator of the herb department, and it was a new record. They actually oh, hadn't wow. been recorded in the area. Um, and I, I don't know how funny it was. I'm sure if you were like a fly on the wall seeing three adult men dip, duck, and dive through grass <laughs> and rocks, try to do these things were quick. And uh, we missed one and we got this second one, man. And we were like, this is going to be a, a pain in the ass to photograph. And we, uh, we set it down and it just stayed still for like five minutes. And it was like, oh, sweet. But yeah, it was, he was a cool one, man. The Jacksonville Zoo has some of the, I think it's the giant plated, um, yeah, with a with a really big African rock python, and it's funny to watch oh. just these these plated lizards are just literally like moving around this African rock to get to the food that they have on the little plates and stuff. <laughs> and That's awesome. Like, th- those things just don't even exist in the African rock's eyes. It's it's funny they were just kind of there hanging out, and like there's a you know, ten foot. Sibe right there hanging out. Those those mixed species exhibits, man, they can get they can get cool. So we were talking about the egg eaters um, earlier. I don't know if you've ever been to like Sedgwick County Zoo in Wichita, Kansas. Um, oh, last David. time I had talked, to, yeah, yeah, they had uh, egg eaters and I think clawed frogs in together on display, and like that's awesome. It's just insane. So burrowing skinks yeah that's another one that's an endemic that was really cool we found like three or four of them i have a couple pictures with two together and the legless the legless skinks they're just 
I don't know. They never get old for me. Like, so. That one looks big. He was about like a foot, foot and a half. Okay. So. Look at that beak. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah, it was... You can tell that thing's just built for for digging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just And it just straight down to the dirt, man. If you if I took it off that rock, immediately, it was just going straight down. So, that's why I got... Yeah. got... I saw a video the other day of a, a Texas coral just disappear. It's like... It wasn't a rocky pile or anything. It was literally just the ground in Texas. And this tenor just disappeared like it yeah. was nothing. Like, didn't move anything. Like, the dirt and stuff didn't shift. It just literally just disappeared. It it amazes me, so their crazy. ability to do that. I, again, uh, my last day out with the snake catchers, we went to a place to remove a cape cobra. And we found it in a garden bed. And, again, three adult guys, avid herpers. We got the tail up on a hook. All of us had this thing surrounded within like a four foot area and it just disappeared. And like the garden was very small. And so it had to have gone between one of our legs. And that was like a four foot cobra at least. Huh. And it, yeah, dude, oh my gosh, talk about, and we were trying to you know, dig up the grass. The landowners were really cool about it. Letting us uh, kind of tear up their garden, trying to find this thing. But, oh, like I imagine that thing is going right between right over my foot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, that's, uh, hmm. so these guys are cool. Um, cause they, you know, they're a smaller tortoise species, but uh, the birds there have actually learned to pick them up, fly up and drop them. They crack their shells and eat them. Jesus. Yeah. So like I found this little, I flipped him actually. And, uh, yeah, we, we you know took pictures, put them back, and we start walking down the path, and all of a sudden there's like two or three of their shells that had been dropped by birds and were just picked clean, and it was like, wow, that's just insane. Well, it's just like the seabirds, I think, uh, around here. They'll pick up crabs, and you find shells like way in from the ocean. So it, it, probably a convergent evolution or something like that. Figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just behavioral stuff, man. It's just insane what... What those what, what what they can figure out, man. What they can what they learn. Yeah, that's wild because that shell almost looks fake, doesn't it? And see, yeah. like and you, you look up pictures of them as adults, and it doesn't get any better. Like they look even faker to me. <laughs> like it's yeah. It's, I've never heard of this species. It's it's new to me. Like yeah, yeah. It looks like a plastic pottery almost. Right, like mm-hmm. a garden, garden. garden decor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So those guys, that was a cool find. Do they have Conixus down there? Or is that? Too- uh, I believe that's too far south. They might. Uh, that's another one on my, my bucket list. Some species of Conixus. I don't even really care which one. They're all cool. I think some do occur down there. I, I believe well, within South Africa, I know that some do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think where I was at. So 
yeah, they're, they're another one, man, that they used to come in and just be sold so cheap. And you could tell they were imports. It was really sad. And, you know, people just weren't doing them justice. And finally, they're getting that attention, you know. Yeah. So, which at least they were last time I had heard of them. They were getting attention. Are they still within the herpetocultural world? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What, Knixis or these guys? I've, I've never seen these guys yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple of guys that are that are hyper focused on on Conixus. Um, okay. You know they've they've got a majority of the species, if not all of them. Uh, it's mostly Jeremy Thompson that that does a lot with them. Okay. Um, yeah, these are cool too. This is like really reminiscent of some of the Redfoots in terms of like the structure and the head. Yeah, it, it, it's just weird because you know environments are so different. But they've, they've, they've evolved to have that, that bright head. And, mm. you know, they're not that large of tortoises. I, I actually think, I don't think they get much larger. But he was cool. We were walking a trail and he literally was just eating eating flowers on the side of the trail. He was like, wow, that's that's a tortoise. That's a that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've ever so, seen a South African box turtle. Yeah, and, and they're common. Like, I, I saw, like, three or four of them while there. Like, we, we were in Addo Elephant Park, and I think I saw, like, three within a day there. And they were, like, crossing the road and stuff. And the leopards, dude, they are a, they're a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. Oh, that's cool. It's a guy. So, they got uh, – we were, we were cruising down to – it was about an eight-hour drive to Port Elizabeth. And uh, – I made the the two – we were with uh, two guys from South Africa, my friend and I, and I made them whip over so I could grab this leopard tortoise that was crossing the road thinking it was like a box turtle, you know, in the eastern United States. And there's like <laughs> semis screaming by, past me and stuff. I got to save the tortoise, man, but they're, they're all over. So I actually saw um, two males pursuing a female. That was really cool, chasing after her and like courting her and stuff. So we were we were doing some work with the giraffes. It was it was pretty awesome. This is the smaller subspecies, right? Or like there, I know there. I was I did a deep dive on tortoises like a month ago, and from what I could find, it, there was actually like two. Like there's more like a Ethiopian species or some somewhere a bit more north that that's a lot bigger, and then there's like the South African stuff that's generally smaller from what I was able to find. Yeah, I, I mean, the all the ones I came across were relatively small. I mean, they were, like, a little bit larger than, like, your typical, like, red foot, yellow foot. But nothing, like, you see the, the real, real big ones. Nothing yeah. like that. They were all okay. smaller. So this guy was cool. This I, I, I regret this is a phone picture. I actually didn't take my camera out and grab a photo of this clicking stream frog because uh, we were trying to find clawed frogs. And uh, I was just like hell bent on finding one of those guys. And I was just like, oh, clicking stream frog, cool. I set him on the ground, click, and just let it go. And then, you know, we never found a quad frog. I was like, damn, should have should have spent some more time with him. But they were cool. They were all over. This is the area where uh, where my buddy was like, yeah, if, if people come, get into the bushes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, were you looking for a the clawed frog you were looking for was this like a different species than the one we normally see over here? No, 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 no. It's the okay. same. It's the the Lavius. Um, they're uh, introduced, I believe, to this to that area. Oh, okay. So, but I, yeah, unfortunately, didn't see any. So, 
next time maybe. But So, so was, what was a, a species out of out of what you found, whether you got pictures of it or not, that you were not expecting to find? Like, surely um, there was stuff you were you were assuming you would see, and then what was something that maybe you found that you you weren't thinking you would? Honestly, um, the stuff I thought I would see would be like the Cape Cobra, uh, the Puff Adder, and probably the the Wrinkles. Those were the three I was like, hey, like. I'm going to see these, like whatever else I find, you know, and I didn't do probably the the right thing. I waited to like actually read a book about reptiles of the area until I was flying over there. And so it was very last minute, like, oh, that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. But yeah, most of the stuff wasn't, uh, wasn't really on my radar. I, I went over there and the monitor was my main goal. And then mm -hmm. whatever else I kind of found, I thought was cool. Um, of the stuff I found, definitely probably the chameleons. Those like took the cake for me. Um, if we would have seen some of the other adder species, um, some yeah. of the other smaller bitus, you know, I mean, like I was right in the range of, um, the Albany adder, mm -hmm. um, bitus which is one of the rarest like vipers snakes in the world. I think only like 27 have been found, um, ever. And it was like, yeah. okay, like let's go. And I, I tried to talk to my guy into taking me to that place. And he's like, it's all private land. And I was like, let's do it. And he's like, as long as you can outrun me, we're good. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> I know I can't. So you're safe. Trust me. They'll take me out first. But uh, is it like yeah, here, no. like in the South where if you're, you're trespassing, your likelihood of getting shot at is fairly high. So it's weird because like they, they driving when we drove across, you know, to, to Port Elizabeth, it actually somewhat reminded me of like the plains of the US. Like it's just massive tracts of flat land. And a lot of the guys that own farms there actually own like an insane amount of land. Like it takes them all day to go from one side to the, yeah. Yeah, one side to the other. Like it's crazy. And so I would think you would be able to like, you know, jump in and out, but for the most part, from what from the people I talk to, they're like, if you just reach out to like a landowner, like most of the time they're cool with it. Especially if you're going in for snakes, they're like, yeah, like get them out of here for me, please. Like whatever. Um, but I'm sure there's still those people. So you know that yeah. that'll go after you. The, the the scariest part, man, is just like the when you're hitting up a hillside in like kind of the urban environment because there's uh, I mean, it, I was told if you look at somebody wrong, you'll get stabbed. Like, and some of the guys I was with, they're like, yeah, like we had a taxi guy that was like, yeah, if I would have picked you up over there behind that corner, I would have robbed you. And then I would have left you. And it was like, wow, <laughs> okay. Like, hmm. So yeah, for the most part, it's, it's more situations like that where it's like, okay, you know. And you're riding avoid. around District 9. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, that, uh, that plated lizard, that was cool. Um, and it just, the, the whole aspect of catching that thing we had just like we, we had found a cave on this guy's property and we climbed into it and that was really cool you know checking out the inside of this cave that i think there was like uh carvings on the outside of it and it i want to say it had been that carving was from like the early 1900s and there was old you know bottles and stuff and then right after that we found a new locale for that uh for that plated lizard and you know as a scientist that's always cool because then you, you know instead of the museum they're like hey we didn't know that was there we'll have to check it out and it's like sweet I helped out, kind of progress the area. So, well, how far then, removed was that animal from sort of the the documented range? I actually don't know. I'll have to hit up. Uh, 
the guy I was with, I, I haven't done much research into some of these guys, like I said, as I probably should have. Um, but I don't think it was anything crazy. Probably, I wouldn't say more than probably 50 miles, maybe yeah. even less. So, but uh, yeah, it was cool. And then, you know, we didn't find quite the number of snakes that I wanted to get. So mm-hmm. next time, definitely hit that up. And I, I think uh, venturing out and doing other areas, that would be cool. Because yeah. where I was at, Bloom was... It was awesome. It was higher elevation and really, really hot. So, um, like we got up to like 104. Wow. Um, my last couple of days there. So, like it was pretty dead once you got past about 10 o'clock. You know, stuff wasn't moving. Um, but yeah, man, it just a lot of those little weird endemic species, those dwarf chameleons. I there's nothing better than just shining little tiny chameleons that are sitting on the top of grass. You know. Where, like, when were you there? Like, what time of the year was that a bad time of year to be going and looking as compared to? So I was there. My understanding was it was actually a pretty decent time. Um, I think I was on the tail end of what's going into their uh, summer. So it was just starting to really warm up. Like, um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it wasn't I had talked to, you know, I did the normal thing when I decided I was going to South Africa. I jumped on Instagram and social media and I found some herpers in the area and was like, yo, can you help me out? Like, what do you think? What have you been to this area? And a few of the guys that I had talked to were like, you know, you're, you're going at a fairly decent time. You should turn up some good stuff. So, and then mm-hmm. of course. Have you uh, thought about going to Namibia or any other African countries? So yeah, I would love to uh, venture back over there. I mean, honestly, any of those countries, it's called the dark continent, you know, for a reason. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, I've got a friend that's doing some work up in Morocco right now for, uh, for his PhD. And I haven't, I haven't messaged him yet, but I'm about to be like, Hey, do you need a hand? Cause I'll, uh, I'll pay my way if I can come hang out with you. So, but yeah, I mean, of course, like the Congo, that would yeah. be amazing. Like, come on, like, got to think about what you could find that just you know no one else has seen um tanzania is big on my list again those black throat monitors man those are near and dear to my heart so if i could get up there and jump through some of the species in that area that would be cool and then i mean get up in the sahara you know there's just there's there's so much to do and then of course madagascar that's another one that's really high on my list i've got a lot of places i want to go but got to find the funds to get there you know oh yeah but yeah, man, I'd be going on a, on a atheris tour <laughs> right across that central belt there. seeing so find every species I possibly can. Yep. Oh, I mean like dude, Ethiopia, I was just going there for the yeah. simple parviocula. Those Ethiopian <laughs> mountain bike. Like, come on. Like exactly. you see one of those things, they're beautiful. So, um, I definitely, yeah, I would love to adventure and kind of explore more of Africa um, it just, you know, whether it's safe or not, that's the biggest thing. And that's the the hardest part is it can change all in a, a second, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of those countries. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to be venturing back over there. Hopefully South Africa again. And then I'd love to love to go to a few other places. So I think, I think Madagascar is, I, I like the Leo Heterodon, you know, Mad Cats, like all that cool stuff. So, and of course, you're a platus species. Like, Dude, that's the that's like, like the, that'd be that'd be yeah. target number one. It was like any yeah. Euro species I could see, that would be yeah. 
I have such a I soft spot for that that whole group, man. Like, what's it, Sikari and Fibriatus? Yeah. I worked with those. We kept those at home, and like, it was like, like, what the hell? Like, this is this is awesome. So, yeah. yeah, any any of those guys would just be. It's just such a unique place. Like, you've got the the, the world of chameleons there. I, I don't I I don't know how many species because there's just there's so a lot. Yeah, a lot. That's you know, and then you have. Uh, yeah, you have all the Europlatus, you have the weird snakes, you know. Oh, yeah. And of course you get into the boas. You know, yeah. that's another one that we currently work with is Doomerols, and I've worked with ground boas, man, and you get the the Sanzania. Like you can't tell me a Sanzania is ugly, please. Like so yeah, seeing any of those guys, and to my knowledge, those guys are actually, I believe, more common. Like you can yeah. find Sanzania pretty, pretty easy there. I, I say that and then you know, I'll go and not see one, but <laughs> Sounds like all all four species are fairly common from what are, I've heard. Are they? But, that's but that's that's just from listening to podcasts and hearing people talk. But that's what it sounds like. Is there all that stuff's kind of common? Yet there's CITES one kind of yeah. thing yeah. for no reason. Well, Madagascar has also been one of those countries that's sort of ping ponged a lot between like opening oh. and closing and just back and like, forth, man. Yeah, it's very very odd. Hey, when whenever uh, whenever you know the government is in need of a little boost or a little bit more money, it seems yeah. that you know all of a sudden exportations allowed, and then they kind of get that boost, and they're like, "Well, no, we're not going to do it." So, but I mean, there's a lot of countries are like that. I, Tanzania used to be like that. I used mm-hmm. to love watching because you know, again, black throat monitors. I used to love watching the market with those guys, and you could tell like it would close, and it was like whoosh, they would shoot up in price, and it's like, okay, give it, give it a year, and then a year would come by, and you know they're cheap again yeah i think i saw black throats for 850 canadian up here at a show i bought my first black throat for 65 dollars and it came with a heat lamp like like i I bought a i bought an adult female when i was in high school i think i paid 300 for her and then i ended up turning around and when i went to college you know i I gotta love my family uh i went to college and i left them with two giant black throat monitors and about 10 snakes in a basement and man i was like I got you guys a Miss King. You just got to pour water in the bucket and throw rats over the wall. It's easy. <laughs> and uh, after a year of that, you know, my mom and dad and brother were like, yeah, we got it. We got to move them. So I ended up selling to a guy. And yeah, it just, yeah. It's funny, man. They're good time. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of people doing much with the, the ground boas. So, so, yeah, again, that's another one that years ago you know you found they were kind of cheap like 100 bucks a piece and about what four years ago i think i they shot up and they went from 200 bucks to like 800 and there's a handful of people working with them i don't know exactly who it is honestly guys i've been terrible at keeping up with that kind of stuff just from being the, busy but the ground bows or the doom rolls the doom rolls yeah, yeah i think they're the they're rolls. here they're they're priced at four hundred, but there was like two or three litters this year, and I think the market's already saturated, and people really? are trying to true people are already trying to dump adult animals, and plus you got uh, what is it, Environment Canada or somebody like they always knock on people pet store. Even uh, some of my buddies in uh, Alberta, they knocked on some of their doors, being like, "Oh, where, where's the CITES permits for these Doomrolls and these Argentine bows?" And it's like they've been in the country for forty years. Like, yeah. like they don't exist. Like nobody, nobody's had them. So, yeah. But yeah, like, like that stuff here. It's it, they, they kind of have a market, 
like they're cool and people but then in three years when people nobody spread them they'll probably go back up but. oh it's it's a trend man it's you know it's it's they're they're a, they're a hot commodity one year and then like you said it just goes down and nobody wants a thing to do with them which you know that's that's fine with me i think they're cool so i'll keep working okay. with them you know like why the hell not the the ground boas i wish you got to see more of those guys um in private collections you know that's one that you just don't see and they're you know they're a really cool snake they're they're a big big oh, yeah. cool boa man that's just different so but yeah i don't I, know if I it like, was airy we were talking to recently or someone else but they were talking about how they they they're fairly certain their their doomerals is actually a cross with a ground. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, man. You know, it's that happens so often. And I mean, I get it, but it also kind of sucks because you don't have pure animals at that point. And like, you know, that's yeah. a whole nother whole other discussion for a whole nother day. But yeah. I would almost think that's hard. Just hearing from uh, Bill Hughes's NPR episode from like eight years ago, he <laughs> talked about how his ground boas would kill each other until they got eight feet. And then they finally started breeding normally after they got eight feet after like three years of trying to breed them. But yeah, like it would be interesting to know if they could even hide, like if, if, or if they would just try to eat each other or something, if, if you were trying to hybridize them. Yeah, that would be, that'd be an interesting one. I just, I don't know. Bill's bred a lot of really cool stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Dude. Like, every time I'll see his name pop up on something, like, yeah, Hughes bred these couple, you know, however many years ago. And it's like, man, those two? Like, good lord. <laughs> Have you seen his uh, baby uh, cages with the, like, shoe shoe display things? Yeah. I want to try, I wanna try those for Kylobothrus. Are they the fold-down ones? I think. Like, they have, like, the... Okay. See, yeah, he's, I, he's, so. I haven't seen his, but I remember seeing them. Like in 2018 or 19, those shoe things were selling me. I'm like, I wonder if you could, like, someone's oh, yeah. gonna. He did. Like, like, he has that's, okay, that's awesome. Them. Really, dude, oh, I want that's another Rushi's, man. I yeah. want those. Bad. It'd be cool to bring those up here. I'm not sure if I'd want to keep them, but it'd be cool. To uh, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't mind some, but at the same time, the people I've that I've talked to about them, they that keep them, they said they're they're like they're really horrible. <laughs> oh, dude, they're scrub pythons, is what I've heard. They're like a wild scrub. Yeah. Scrub um, cross on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, basically, man. Um, one of the guys, he was a boss of mine. He had a pair of those and a pair of annulated. And I was like, hey, like, come on, man. Let me take them. Let me take them. And he never did. And I was like, damn. I could have had those next to my. Yeah, I could have had those, the the Rushis next to my. Uh, I had a Helmahart, or not Helmahart, um, Maruke scrubs. Have them side by side. I, I would have loved that. That would have been an awesome display. I love the so, really high black. Rushis. I forget which locality that is. I don't think it's the Venezuelan. I want to say it might be like the Costa Ricans, but maybe the Trinidad's. It's hard the, to... I know the Trinidad's probably really from, from what uh, Dr. Booth says. It sounds like the Trinidad's are more just like a monotone a project mm -hmm. thing with him and the government of Trinidad or something. So I'm not sure if he's even allowed to drop those into private collections or not. Really? But it, but it, that's still cool that he that he has them and that he can do some research with them and he's bred them already. Yeah. yeah. It also sounds like babies are an absolute nightmare to get going, which doesn't really surprise me either. Is no. Like all the all the really cool stuff is is the most difficult to get started. Well, it, it's it's got to be. That's why it's really cool, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Probably <laughs> you animals. Got, or you got you got to work for it, man. You got to work for it. So. 
but yeah, I, I'd love to. The, those the coreless man, that that group of snakes. I kept a pair, kept one off here and there, and never really dove into them. And again, just got offered a, an awesome deal on some, and ended up buying. I got a trio. It was a male female. Sadly, the the male passed away, but they were lineaged animals from a platinum, which was like the grand sire, and it was an all like brilliantly gray silver animal that they'd been trying to get back to. And I got offered, you know, like I said, a good deal. And I was like, screw it, like, let's go. And then a tiger female got thrown into that, that we're raising out now. And I'm actually oh, nice. super excited, man. And she's weird. So the guy who bred her, he's that old boss of mine. He actually was selecting for less of the striping. And so it's got that black, but it's more broken up. And yeah, we're really excited to try to get her up. I think, Maybe next year she'll go. So we got to find a nice male to put her with and see what she can do. So. Some of the stuff that's popping out of Amazon's now, man, like what people have been been working for and, and breeding for is just nuts compared to how it was. Oh yeah, you know, twenty years ago, like they've come a long way, and mm-hmm. I feel like we're still not even like we're really not even unlocking the full sort of potential there. Yeah, you've got a, a few of those guys that have just stuck with them and done them so much justice. I mean, like those those nice high reds, those garden phases that are like super uh, contrast. You know, they have a lot yeah. of oranges and stuff mixed in the calicos. Yeah, I, I remember it was, well, it used to be like the garden phase, like a yellow, like a yeah. muddy orange red animal. Like those were your Amazons. And now I think, what's it? Like there's the tigers. There's, yeah, there's a bunch, man. It's, it's really cool to see that. They're actually developing. Hopefully, the the populace of herpetoculture can get past the nippiness and yeah. they can kind of get the respect they deserve, and people can keep them. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're sweet. I know there's a few people working with them up here. Uh, Cody Joe has some cool stuff, and Don Patterson has some uh, nice stuff as well. They all those guys hold back all the reds, <laughs> like half the clutches of reds. They they ain't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, they're they're building those Canadian lines, right, man. Definitely seems like it. Yeah, I miss I miss keeping them every now and then, and sometimes I'll see somebody have a litter of them, and I kind of get the urge to like, I could just do like a pair of them. That's all I need. But then, I don't know. Again, it's one of those things where it's it's. If I could devote the space to it, I would. But you know, I gotta kind of pick and choose my battles at this point. Yeah, it's very easy to say, "Hey, I'm just gonna get a pair," and then you end up with twenty. You know, that's that's my problem, and that's one thing I get yelled at by Brennan. Again, he's the one that's got all the snakes right now. And I'm like, hey, you seen these guys yet? Or I love every like uh every month or two I just drop a random genus of snakes in a group chat with him. And I'm like, Brennan, have you ever looked at these before? And he's like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna Google not it. Not gonna bother. Yep. He's like, stop, why are you doing this? And I'm like, because I like them and <laughs> you like them then cool. Like let's go. Like let's get these guys. I can't remember the last ones I did, but it was hilarious. Oh Telescopus. Like I ran, dude, dude, ran down the rabbit hole on them when I was like, you know, starting with the European snakes because I was the the nerd that was gonna know all the snakes of Europe, and all of a sudden I started working down Africa and all the different like the Telescopus Dara and stuff. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I was like, those are sweet. So I was like, hey, check these out, and I don't think he has yet, but one day he will, and then (laughs) we'll we'll have a we'll have like twenty of those. You know, it's fine with me. I think Phil still has. One or two. I don't remember which species he got, but he had some. Interesting. Oh, so he he did get them. 
Yeah, I know he was he was having to wrap pinkies in like gecko shed to get him. <laughs> yeah, sushi. That's the fun of it, man. That's the fun of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> stay dedicated to the craft. I mean, that's kind of the the I guess benefit of being in with the you know like underground and those guys that bring stuff in all the time is you know you kind of get to see the things before they hit the shelves kind of deal. Oh yeah. yeah. And you could always start like a, oh, I want to breed this species that doesn't exist in the hobby on yep. like a breeding scale. And mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy 20 of those. <laughs> yeah. You're the guy who gets every single one that's been brought in the country in the past four years. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I figured it out. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I think it's still going to be years before Matt lets those uh, red and red and black snakes out. Yeah, he, man. He, he breeds oh, them. He's uh, like, oh, here's clutch number five of the year. And it's like, where, are you keeping them all? <laughs> you, 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 you sold one pair so far. <laughs> uh, oh but he, he, it's it's his, he's, uh, uh, from what I've heard, he spent like four, he spent a he spent an insane amount of money yeah. on that project. So he might as well. He had to, what, man, he, he had to do go whatever through he a lot of those things to get, to get successful with them. Oh, it yeah. was one of those things where it's like one of those projects where it's like you can't just start with a pair or trio and expect it to take off. It's like you gotta you gotta load up because you're gonna lose some animals, you know. And oh yeah. You'll see some of the importers have some of those for sale periodically, and I'll send them the link and be like, Look at that. And he's like, It'll be dead in three months. <laughs> like, okay. yeah. yeah what so, was it loafman with the the velvet swamp snakes or whatever yeah. oh yeah he ran i remember when he was getting those man he was just you know trying and trying and i think he's finally started hitting them with stride more but like yeah just to, you know it's it's nice to have those people though that are dedicated to those weird obscure cool species like oh yeah yeah awesome. well it's also odd too when you have a species like those those striped snakes that that most has is like they're not difficult to keep and it doesn't seem like they're difficult to breed and produce it's literally just a numbers game to where it's like there's just not enough of them around to to yeah. for people to a know about them and then b make more of them you know i think we're that's kind of how it was with rust scale pythons for a long time and rhino rats you know it was like not hard to keep not hard to make more of it's just like there's literally just not enough people that have them to to be able to get them sort of off the ground into the into the hobby Oh yeah. It's also it's nice with uh with like these podcasts and stuff and social media, like it, the words getting out now more so than it used to. You know, you're not just relying on a price list that has no pictures or anything, you know, you can post something and it's it's awesome. It's yeah, it's cool. We joke all the time that like I, I single handedly raised awareness about bear drats just by talking about him on here. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was it was you and it was one other guy that I talked to. Was, he he's a St. Louis keeper that he worked with them. And yeah, like I remember talking to him about him and then I think I heard you on a podcast and was like, "Okay, like I want to check these things out." And then it was like, "Oh, okay." All of a sudden I think I messaged you and was like, "Hey, I think I want some of those one day." So I'm like, yeah. So Yeah, we need some more Loma Altas. You need to, you need to breed them again. <laughs> I know. I don't I'm not going to this next year I'm, I'm giving that female i'm giving i'm not doing any bears uh this upcoming season actually i'm just taking the year off from them but um yeah i kind of i kind of wish i had done the loma altas again this year instead i just did hats for you know hypo but i don't know we'll see yeah that girl from you is definitely uh starting to put some size on and the silver is really coming through now 
Yeah, dude, the I have like one or two holdbacks and they're starting to get that that orange is starting to come in and the uh, I'm hoping it won't be next year but next season season after next I'll have my Mex my Mexican should be ready to go. So that'll be exciting because I really like those a lot. Yeah, you don't see those um, those much around. Well, like actually, well, you did. Like I definitely saw them on Morph Market last year. It yeah, seems like it was like everybody produced their Mexicans last yeah. year. There's an odd odd sort now, of resurgence of them, and then they kind of fell off again. I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah, maybe it was just everybody who wanted them bought them, but it's uh, yeah, they'll they'll come back. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, it was odd because, like, for the longest time, I was like, "Man, there's like next to no one in the states that that seems to have any of the Mexican, you know, types." And then all of a sudden, you had all these people selling them, and it's like, okay, maybe there's more people that had them than I thought. Yeah, it was just like the Trump hours and that probably, and then mm-hmm. they sold one or two, and then people had them, but they never, they didn't really probably. There wasn't a need for them to breed them because people just look at them as a. A gray little rat snake. When really, it's a it's a bear. It's it's not your normal eastern rat. Well, too with that, guys. You know, there was I forget the guy's name that got busted smuggling a bunch of stuff out of Mexico. So, you know, how many of those came through on one of those shipments, and then he gets busted, and everybody kind of freaks out about that and gets rid of them quick because they're worried to be tied into that. You know. Yeah, I think I think all the Mexican stuff is from like San Antonio Zoo line or something. Those, yeah, and there was one guy that I think was with the zoo that brought in sort of the initial group. Um, but there is, there's another, another zoo line I think. Me, yeah, I remember which one, but I think there was two zoo lines. Um, is it another Texas zoo? I believe I so. Dallas or Fort Worth? That I, might be I Fort Worth. With an old time keeper that they did a lot of stuff. When I got my Jani. It was like starting to really get into those. I had talked to him, and he's like, "Oh, with the zoo, we used to go cruise those things all the time." And I was like, "God, you're so lucky." Dude. Yeah, I think that was the same with the uh, Linacolis or Linianacolis uh, yeah. Pituopus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was another yeah. zoo. Those like, things are wicked. Those are oh, weird yeah. too, man. It's yeah, like, I, I want those so badly. Pituopus form is just they're strange. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, those 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 Mexican pities, dude. Those things are. I remember seeing the Gani. Just honestly, Mexico in general, it's got some awesome species. It does. I'm trying to, I'm trying to plan a trip down there with some friends. I think here in the next year or two. Um, but yeah, they've just they've got some some awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all the, all the all the crotalus and those climbing salamanders and yeah, uh, just like so so much random stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you, you, you could do ten trips there, not find oh. anything that a, a, anything that no. you actually wanted to find. Yeah, what's the the subspecies? It, it was a subspecies of Mojave with the pink uh, Slovenii, I think, or what is it? There, it's a Mojave rattlesnake that's got pink on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that thing is just Slovenia. Scouting. I think is what they are. Yeah, Slovenia. Yeah. I can't remember. Are they a full species now? Or are they still? A I sub? think they are a full species now. They are full. I know a lot of. I believe a lot of Mexican biologists are elevating and doing work down there which is awesome you know but yeah the herp mx guys seem to be they've been putting in a lot of work over the years yeah like, oh yeah all kinds of new stuff coming out of the woodwork just in amphibians mm-hmm. alone they've been finding all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff and a bromia yeah. and all that even mm-hmm. webby i think they've been breeding somebody's been breeding webby from 
I think probably Chris or maybe it was uh, uh, Lassiter. Maybe somebody somebody mentioned that they're breeding web-eyed. I think down at one of the universities in uh, Mexico. Nice. We had some of the Mexquatlis at St. Louis, and those guys were cool. Oh, neat. Yeah, they were. And then what was it? The Lancehead rattlesnake, uh, Crotalus. Uh, what was that? I can't remember the scientific name, but it's like the Mexican Lancehead, and that guy was cool. Polystictus, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Polystictus. Yeah, those guys. Those were really cool, man. I I love those small and cool, weird Crotalus species. They're just get some of the Zacatecas locality, like uh, clobber eye. Yeah, some of those localities of those like just crazy that you can just go you know a handful of miles over the border and have something mm -hmm. that looks so different from the stuff in texas yeah it's oh yeah i remember i was like uh like a freshman in college and i was my i have family down in san antonio so we uh of course went to the zoo got to go to the zoo got to see the hurt building and i hung outside a door and just waited for a keeper to walk out <laughs> and uh two did man and i jumped on and started talking to those guys and before i knew it i was in their hibernacula <laughs> stuff man and i was like like 18 year old alec was just like hell yeah this is this is awesome man. just went from just, six to midnight yeah it was like oh yeah. my gosh like this is this is awesome and yeah it was it was cool i've, I've got some some pictures from that I, I i know they had a lot of just the different rocks and stuff like it was mm -hmm. so they're like and the, you know their komodos were there and we had to walk over the catwalk where the komodos were at that's it, it, a cool place doing a lot of cool stuff with the mexican stuff there yeah they did a lot with uh weren't they doing like bothriecus was a big one i'm not sure about that i haven't i don't remember seeing anyone i was there but it has been you know now years um but i wouldn't be surprised if they're working with bothriecus and stuff i think yeah there was like arifer and then i want to say they were doing stuff with march eye okay arifer are just beautiful man we had one of those yeah. in st louis and yeah they are they're, they're a stellar animal it's a cool cool group mm -hmm. yeah a yeah. lot of people just see the slags and they end up they, you know they end their their search there and don't realize just how crazy some of those other species mm -hmm. can get by color man that's where it's at mm -hmm. those yeah. those check all the boxes for me <laughs> god things are gorgeous yeah what uh what what conjures are y'all doing stuff with so right now we actually only have one um we've got uh Oh God, Brandon's gonna murder me if I get this wrong. I think it's an Aru. I think we just have an Aru that he picked up from Clockwork. It's one that he uh, he kind of caught the bug and was like, "I want to get a chondra." When, when when him and I first met, he had never worked a, had a snake before in his life, and uh, he decided we were gonna get uh, basins. And I was like, "Let's not do that. <laughs> you, you don't you don't need those as first snakes." I was like, "We can we can do it." Like. We can care for him, but let's not. So yeah, he's he settled on that, and he ended up getting that room, which yeah, they're they're cool, man. I remember when they would come in at uh, when I was at, working at that store in Colorado, and of course you know Bushmasters right there, Clockwork, mm -hmm. and all those guys. So we had you know Condros were all over all the shows and stuff, and I, it was just awesome. Can't have enough of them. Oh yeah, no, yeah. you can't. Do you know uh, anybody else that's working with those uh, those Canary Island animals? I know Vogel or right? um, Vogel yeah, Chuck, Chuck Vogel's really in any like serious numbers of those. He's the only one that I know of. Um, okay. 
He's got some awesome uh, Jani yeah. too. If you've seen his Jani, I don't think. Oh, I, I, he posts in those groups often, or yeah, I feel he, like I've seen that his, name somewhere. Yeah, it's it's a rolling rolling line Jani, um, which like I had talked to him and deep dove into it kind of with him one time. I managed to catch him on Facebook Messenger. And it like uh, the line comes from a guy he like grew up next to that had been keeping the things for years. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, like he's like, yeah, I think I'm the last one with the exact line, but they're they're his animals are they're all between the, the chondras and those Jani. I was like, wow, you're a uh, you're a badass dude. Good job. That's cool. Yeah, he hasn't you know, he hasn't been online a whole lot the last you know two or three years. I think he he got COVID and he just had some health that's, issues following it. That's him. exactly. What I've check, seen checks in periodically and posts some pictures mm -hmm. and stuff, but I don't, I don't know. But yeah, as far as the like the the yellow Kofi L type stuff, um, he's the only one that I I know of off the top of my head that that's doing anything serious with him. You know? Yeah, those animals are those are awesome. I remember seeing them and that. That's just they're cool cool chondras, man. He yeah. was at Southeast Carpet Fest a couple years ago. I want to say that was like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. I didn't get to talk to him, um, but he was there. It's pretty. I think I was pretty, pretty hammered at that. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered anyways. I wouldn't have been able to have a serious conversation with him. <laughs> the rare Schmitty. Right. Schmitty right. state. Uh, that's uh, funny. So, uh, we're at the uh, that two hour mark. Uh, if people want to get in touch, what's the the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just um, through uh, through Instagram, Facebook, um, Facebook, just my name. Instagram is just my last name, first name, and twenty one, I believe, is my handle. Um, Brett and I also have a Facebook. Uh, I think we have a Facebook and Instagram page for our herps that we are horrible at actually uh, posting on. It's uh, Anchor and Arbor Exotics is what we're we're going with. Um, so yeah, just just reach out. Like I said, if you have questions or anybody wants to talk further about anything, just reach out to me. I also uh, wanted to give a shout out. Like I said, those guys in the South Africa, um, the snake catchers, herpers guys I ran into are awesome. And there's one that is, uh, he posts really great content. His name's uh, Merrick. Um, and he's just a uh, wild Merrick Instagram and Facebook, YouTube, check him out because he's got some awesome stuff he posts. And you can see a lot of the cool endemic species to that uh, Port Elizabeth area. I think he pulled a boom sling out of like a woman's backyard like three days ago. He messaged me and he's like, the curse is over because he hadn't found a snake since I had been there. And he's like, I got a boom slag. And I was like, right on, man. Like, that's badass. So definitely check him out. Um, support him. He's a really cool guy. And he's just trying to, to make it work, catching snakes and stuff in South Africa. So, yeah, I'll have to look at that. I may look, sounds familiar. So I may have, I may have already be following him or had seen some of his stuff, you know, doom scrolling through Instagram endlessly. But, We'll see. Yeah, I, I like we ran into that herp department and within five minutes I had one snake catcher in Bloom messaging me. I met him and like 20 minutes after talking to him, he had put me in contact with the Merrick and it was like set. I was good. I was like, right on. Thank you guys. So Kenny said they're they're awesome out there. If you ever make a trip, don't feel uh shy about reaching out to some of the herpers in the area and the snake catchers. They can they can definitely help you out. So, so I no awesome. Right on. Well, hey, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Mike, thanks for, for hopping in. No, it was kind of last minute. No worries. It's always uh, great to get on and talk snakes and uh, reptiles in general with uh, anybody.
Absolutely. We'll see you guys later. That's right. Alrighty. We'll be back Thursday for the final show of the year for the network. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. There you go. It's it's up there somewhere. It's all reversed and weird. <laughs> Use the code THN to check out. Get 10% off your order. Save on shipping and freight if you're in the southeast area of the U.S. And there's a pickup option available. Grab yourself a trailer. Grab yourself a U-Haul. And just jet on down there and grab it. Uh, get more bang for your buck. Then the best coffee around... Cold-blooded caffeine, Snakes and Stogies blend. Get it down below with the link in our bio. The glare is kicking my ass. There we go. Mexican Rwandan blend. Very objectively, a very good blend. It's very good. I have. I'm wait. I'm can't wait for my box to come tomorrow. Because I got one of the. I got one of the pour over things too. I'm gonna take it with me on vacation as well and force my family to drink it. <laughs> um, yeah. Link down below. Me and Phil get a little something-something if you buy. Uh, Puget Sound Pythons, check it out. Yeah, I've had... Yeah, this is... So, this is like a, 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 a prop bag, sort of. Like, it's got beans in it, but they're probably past the point of being able to, to do anything with them. But it doesn't matter, because it's here for, for decor, but you can't see it because of the camera angle anyways, so... Uh, doesn't matter. Um, Puget Sound Pythons. Give them a follow. Facebook, Instagram. Follow on Morph Market. Stay in the loop with what they're doing. They're good people. Fulvis Apparel. FulvisApparel.com. Get yourself a shirt, a hoodie, all that good stuff. Also, use the code THN at checkout. That is 15% off of your order. That is the exclusive code that you only get here. Thanks to viewers and listeners like yourselves. I definitely need to get some of those uh, Fulvius shirts there. Those uh, latest ones you got out are definitely awesome, and everybody needs to get some of those. Thank you. I got a couple more I got to add. Uh, unfortunately, I, I bought, I found that Microsoft was selling the uh, the Halo Master Chief collection <laughs> for like $10, and so all weekend, instead of me actually doing something productive, I ended up getting sucked into being 12 again and, and playing Halo, um, and it's been great. I'm not even complaining. My child <laughs> has been enjoying it, so... That's always good. You gotta, you gotta have fun. You can't just uh, it's bonding. be work all the time. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I feel guilty because I'm like, there's so much other stuff I need to be doing right now. But instead, I'm sucked yeah. into. It's the holidays. Yeah. You can, you can take some time to yourself. Well, it has all four in the series, and then you could get Reach and ODST separate if you wanted to. But now I'm like, I, you know, I'm working on the first campaign, and it's like, of course, I gotta. Got to see the whole thing through. I got to do them all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be back Thursday night. Um, again, don't know if it'll be live or not. We'll see. Got to see what the gang wants to do. Last show of the year. Uh, we will see everyone later. Already. Peace. Peace.